0: Well, that was a wonderful song, wasn't it? Especially if you heard it in Spanish. (laughs) I'd like to invite you to come to the book of Luke, chapter five. We spent almost a a month away from church. We went for a, a week holiday to Kayama. Then we traveled, Jonathan, my wife and I, to New Zealand. We spent a week there also on holidays and then for two weeks my wife and I preached in two different camps and uh, we had a wonderful time there. And, I, I, and there's a, a, a very busy year ahead of us, I, I, ahead of all of us. We praise the Lord for the rain, don't we? Amen. Lord, uh, uh, he is a merciful God. As a nation we do not deserve it. And yet he heard the prayer of the millions and millions of his children around the world who interceded on behalf of Australia. And he sent us rain. God God is an amazing God. Amen? What an amazing God he is. I'd like you to come to Luke chapter five. Let us pray. Our Father, as we open your word, we invite you to speak to us dear Lord. Thank you for speaking to us through the ministry of music. We thank you, Father, for your spirit in our midst. And now, Lord, our hearts are open for you to give us your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 5 portrays the beginning of Christ's ministry uh, in in the area of Galilee. He has spent months preaching in the area of Judea. The leaders of Israel are preparing to kill him. They, They don't like him. So Jesus retreats away from Judea. He goes back to Galilee uh, to, to now uh, start his ministry in that area. He's done it already. He spent some time early in his ministry in Galilee. Then he traveled to Judea. Now he's back here. Um, he's, he's, he went to visit Nazareth. They tried to kill him there. his, his own countrymen. <laughs> they didn't like him. And then in chapter 5, it's early in the morning, he comes to the shores of the Lake of Galilee, or as it's called here, the Lake of Gennesaret, which is the, the same lake. Uh, he wants to spend some time alone. Jesus' life is very, very busy. He goes from sunrise to sunset, healing and preaching and teaching and traveling from place to place. Those three and a half years... Uh, eroded the energy and the life of Christ. He was never alone. The only times when he could be alone was when he at night time was praying with his father. And now he got up very early and came to the shores of the lake. This is the northwest of Lake um, uh, Gennesaret or the Lake of Galilee or the Lake of Tiberias. It's a long lake. It's about... 20 kilometers long and 11 kilometers uh, wide is also called the Sea of Tiberias because it's so long and so big. And so the story begins and says, So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing then uh, There were two boats and Christ wanted to address the people. But this, this place is actually a narrow place. It's a, it's a small bay. And uh, Jesus c- could easily see that he would not be able to speak to all the people. So he walks into the water and he comes, goes into one of the boats. The, the, the account says there then he got into one of the boats which was Simon's. His name had not yet been changed to Peter. And they were they there was a partnership there between Simon and John and James, and there were two boats and they were washing their nets. And people had already piled up to listen to Jesus this is early in the morning the sick were waiting for him people were eager to see miracles but they were also wanting to listen to the words of Jesus Christ by this time the reputation of Christ had gone right through Israel everyone had heard of him uh, John the Baptist had been imprisoned already and killed and so there had been great turmoil Uh, in Israel uh, in regards to, uh, to this, but now the reputation of Christ was at its pinnacle. There were whole villages where Christ had walked through, and by the time he left, there was not one lame, not one blind, not one sick person. Everyone who was dead had been risen to life. Jesus was like a current of life going right through the wilderness and when he walked through that which was dry ahead of him remained like a mighty beautiful forest when he left and I often wonder what must have been like to walk with Jesus it must have been just absolutely awesome he must have been such a beautiful person, such a wonderful person to be with and, and the, the disciples had the privilege of spending three and a half years with him And so, the apostles, they are already disciples of Jesus. They have not yet become apostles, but they are already disciples. But they are not fully committed to the ministry. They go, spend some time with him, and then they go back to their business. And thus, they provide for their needs. And that's what's happening here. They have spent the whole night fishing. They have never been fishing with Jesus yet. And they are about to go fishing with their master. And so it says there, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. I don't know how long he spent speaking to the multitude. And uh, I I don't know whether you've ever been on the shore of the sea, but the the waves actually drown your voice very quickly. But it's very interesting that a friend of mine a polish friend of mine who is the youth director for the polish union he loves going to israel and he showed me a video he said i've been in that exact place he said and it's amazing he said and let me show you the video and he showed me a video someone took him in a boat and, and this is a, it's like a horseshoe bay. It's, tiny, it's not very big. It's a horseshoe bay. And in the boat, he they they rode right to the middle of the of the bay, and from there there was someone filming right at the back, past the sand, on the bush, and he was filming, and he spoke just normal. He spoke, and he said hello. I am standing on the boat just with a normal voice and you could hear him perfectly right outside. So no wonder Jesus asked the people, take me out, because he could somehow knew, as God knew, that as his voice spoke, the shape of the place magnified the voice, and he did not have to strain his voice. It was naturally heard as if he was speaking through a microphone and a PA system. Amazing, isn't it? It's incredible. So Jesus comes to Peter, to Simon, and says, launch out your boat and let's go into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Peter, Jesus invites Peter to go fishing. Have you ever gone fishing? Anyone here gone fishing? Well, when I was young, my uncle, he was a rich uncle, he said, Next weekend we're gonna go fishing. I had never been fishing in my life, but it sounded exciting. And so my dad, my, my uncle had a truck and all my family jumped at the back of the truck and it was an enclosed truck. And we drove for a long distance. By the time we got to the lake, we were all vomiting and uh, you know, because there was no air, no windows, nothing. We just drove through dirt roads and uh, it was, but we got there and my uncle, he, he was a rich man. He, he got off his car, a very expensive seat, and this beautiful fishing rod. We could see that it was expensive. He had brought it from the United States of America. My, dad, my uncle lived in the United States for many, many years, and later on in his life, he told the secret how he had become so rich is because he had worked as a secret agent of the CIA for many years. And so he... We all kids jumped out, and he says, "Okay, kids, here you have your fishing reels." And he just gave us a, you know, a little thing. It was, it was a a a piece of cardboard turned into a tube, a tube, and he had just wrapped, you know, some fishing line there. And we looked at it, and uh, you know, he was there with this massive rod, and we said, "What's going on?" But he said, "Okay, well, it doesn't matter." And then he showed us how to, uh, you know, put the hooks, and he says, "Here, you've got the bait." And the day before, he had asked us to go into uh, the bush. And in Chile, there's this type of bush that is like a, like a, a, it's like a tree full of thorns. That if you cut it, there, there is a, a big worm that lives inside the tree. And so we spent the whole day, you know, looking for these uh, worms. And we found them. And eventually, you know, we took a, a whole bunch of these worms. Uh, no, I, I can't remember the name in, um, in Spanish. Uh, You may remember it. Um, And then my uncle sat, he chose the best spot, and he sent us right to the other side so that we will not take his fish. (laughs) And then my uncle sat. And we kids went. And every time we threw in, we caught a fish, we took it out. You know, we caught over 150 fish. And my uncle caught nothing. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Next day he was so angry because what the the, the 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 planet thing was that my mom she would she wasn't fishing, my mom and dad had started a fire and they had oil, boiling oil. And so we would get the fish, cut it in half, take all the insides out, all the, the all the the you know what you call the skeleton out, and my mom would throw them in the, in the, in the oil, Shh, you know, fry them, and then we would eat them. He was the, I'm vegetarian now, but it was the most delicious fish I, I had ever eaten and can't get any fresher than that. So we went fishing, but I have never been fishing with Jesus. And Simon, Jesus says, Simon, let's go to the deep and I want you to cast your nets again. In verse 5, Simon says, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. That word nothing in the Greek literally is not even one. Now, Simon grew up as a fisherman's son. That was their trade. They knew the trade inside out and they knew That in order to catch fish, if the water is clear, you have to go at night. You never go fishing, especially with nets, during the day, if the water is clear. And Jesus, you know, Jesus had already spent the previous day with the apostles, or their disciples. Their disciples went fishing, but they did not invite Jesus to go fishing with them. Because Jesus was a carpenter. He wasn't a fisherman. What did he know of fishing? Now Jesus is going to show him a few things about fishing. (laughs) And then Simon says this. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And so they go down, they go to the deep. And verse 6 says, and when they had done this they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking, it says here, and the Greek says was broken. They had caught so much fish that they couldn't lift it. The net net began to break and they were going to lose the fish. So Peter began to signal to John and James, come, come. And the, the ship came and notice what it's happening it says, "So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. Wow. How would you have reacted? Would you have gone, "Wow, We are rich." This is the greatest catch they've ever had, most probably since always. Always. They had never ever heard their grandparents speaking of such a great catch. It's the biggest catch. You know, I wonder if through the head of, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Simon, the idea I was going through, wow, Jesus used my boy to preach the gospel. And because he used the boy to preach the gospel, notice what, how he's paying me back. You know, some people are, are scared of investing in the Lord because they, you know, they, may, they may lose. This lesson teaches the complete opposite. Eventually, Jesus would call the the, the disciples to leave everything behind, but he does not call to do anything for which he has not already given you evidence that he is willing to provide. And then in verse 8 says, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Why? Why at Jesus' knees and not at Jesus' feet? Because Jesus was sitting on the boat. And so uh, Simon falls at the knees of Jesus, just here. And he goes like this and says, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. You know what a different church service that was? Have you ever, just look at that story. That was a church, wasn't it? Wasn't it? There was a group of people who had gathered around Jesus to hear his word. That's church. Jesus did not stand like me to preach. How did he do it? He jumped in a boat. He was rowed a little bit further away and he sat to preach, and he preached while people were listening, parents were breastfeeding, others were doing other things. And the apostles, what, they, what were they doing, the disciples? They were cleaning the nets. That's different, isn't it? Do you think that we have made things too formal sometimes? And then in verse 9 says, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John and the sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to, the, to land, they forsook all and followed him. They forsook all. What did they forsake? All. You know, they forsook their boats and the best catch of their life they left it behind in order to follow Jesus. You know, this story teaches lessons at the different levels. And I'd like to look at some of those lessons that this story actually teaches for our life. In verse 4, Jesus says, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon and John and James had spent all night fishing. And how much did they catch? Not one. And now Jesus said to them, Go back into the deep. Let's go to the deep and let down your nets. Experience had told them that it was worthless going fishing. There were no fish in the lake that day. The fish had gone shopping, the fish had gone to school, they were doing sports, they were watching television. Who knows what the fish were doing, but the fish weren't interested in getting caught in a net. They were disappointed. You know, that that, that phrase expresses... Expresses disappointment, sadness. The word when 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 Peter says Master, we have toiled all night. The word in Greek says, We have worked until we have exhausted ourselves. There is nothing left in us. We worked all ha all night trying to catch fish, and we didn't catch one Lord. Does it happen to you sometimes? That you work and work and work and you grow anxious and desperate and darkness around your mind and it seems like nothing is working out does it happen to you sometimes you know that boat is a symbol of you and i peter is our experience with the lord and when jesus says to peter launch into the deep. What is Jesus inviting them to? You know that that, that, that a number of times Jesus had to take the apostles to the deep. I want you to notice a little detail here. Verse 3. It says in verse 3, Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. So Jesus does not tell Peter immediately, take me into the deep. What does Jesus do? Jesus asked Simon to take him a little off the land first. And when he's doing that, Peter has taken him out of the shore. Peter is with Jesus. Jesus is sitting. Jesus is proclaiming and preaching his word. He's trying to build up Peter's faith. And then he says to them, when he has finished, when the lessons that were necessary for Peter to hear were spoken, now Jesus says to Peter, I want you to come with me to the deep. Why the deep? The deep, which is the deep waters, have lessons to teach us. You know, it was... There at the deep. This is the first time. That one of the disciples will go with Jesus to the deep. And Jesus is awake. He is with him. He is in charge of the situation. Jesus wants him to learn a lesson. In the deep. The second time. Jesus is with the apostles. But he is leaping on the boat. When they are crossing the deep. Remember the story? And the waves And the the wind rose and the waves began to beat on the boat and the boat began to sink. And the apostles wrestled and fought all night to try to save themselves until suddenly they realized, Hey, wait, Jesus is here. And Peter went and said, Lord, don't you care that that we are drowning? And what did Jesus do? He got up and rebuked the wind and everything came calm. The third time. Do you remember what happened the third time? The third time. They were in the deep alone. Remember? They left Jesus on the land. And a wind rose again. And they rode all night. They rode and rode. And they never got to their destination. And in the middle of the night, at the third watch, the Bible says that Jesus came walking on the water. And Peter says. Lord if it's you. Let me come to you walking also. And he did. And what happened? When he took his eyes off Christ. He sank. But only one cry out of his lips. And Jesus saved him. And the moment that Jesus comes into the boat. What happened? The Bible says that they were immediately on the other side. You know that these these three experiences are trying to teach the apostles exactly the same lesson. In other words, if the apostles, if the disciples had learned the lesson that first morning and they had practiced it and laid hold of the lesson that Jesus wanted to teach them, they would not have to go through the second and, and, and even the hardest of all, the third experience. What is the lesson? What is the lesson? There's a number of lessons here that Jesus actually wants us to learn. When Jesus takes you into the deep, is to teach a lesson. And the main lesson is this. What made the difference between the night failure and the morning's success in fishing? What made the difference, friends? What made the difference when the apostles went by themselves, trusting in their skills, in their knowledge, in their experience, and they went fishing, they threw the nets, they waited all night, they exhausted themselves, they got anxious, they got depressed, they got defeated, and they came, to the, to, they came back to the shore with not even one fish. And then they go out, and the Lord says, cast your net, and they do it, and they, they got so much fish, that the boats are actually sinking. What made the difference? What made the difference that day when the boat was sinking and the apostles were rowing and they were trying to save the boat but they couldn't and suddenly they remembered. What made the difference? That suddenly the, the storm, the wind ceased. The, 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 the waves were no longer beating. What made the difference that they had rowed all night to, get, to go to the other side all night? They have exhausted themselves. They had tried and tried and tried and they haven't been able to make it. What makes the difference? that then they get there like that. What made the difference? The difference is a boat without Jesus or Jesus ignored and a boat where Jesus is in control. And the boat is your life. The boat is you. What is the lesson the Lord wants the apostles to learn early in their ministry? This is the first and the most important lesson that every Christian must learn in the Christian experience. This must be learned at the beginning. And it is the lesson that if we fail to learn. The Lord, the Lord will repeat over. And over. And over. Until we learn it. And the lesson is this. Friends. You cannot live the Christian life without Christ. Friends. Friends. The Lord wants you to learn that when you face life's challenges, when life gets nasty, when things are not going according to plan, when you're exhausting yourself and you're trying hard, when you're giving your best and things are not working out, and you're desperate, you're anxious, you're becoming depressed, when things are going out of control, the Lord wants us to learn, friends, that the only way by which you and I can manage our life is if Christ is in us. Did you get that? Did you catch that? You want to go fishing with Jesus? The Lord will teach you when He's fishing with you. The most important lesson is that you must not trust yourself. This is the most important lesson in the Christian life. And notice the language that Jesus uses to Peter. He says in verse 4, When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Did Did you notice the language? What did Jesus say? I want you to come to the deep. I want you to come to the place where I must teach you lessons. And the first thing you must do once we get to the deep is let down your nets. What are the nets? The nets are the tools they use for fishing. The net is what they have trusted for their livelihood. Their net is their skill, their knowledge, their experience. That's their net. And Jesus says, if you want to go fishing with me, when we get to the place, I want you to let go of the situation you're trying to so desperately control. Let go and let me. Let go. Stop fighting. If your marriage is breaking apart, stop fighting. Stop trying yourself to fix it. Stop trying. Stop trying if your business is going down. Stop. Let go. And trust me. Cease to trust in your skills, in your knowledge, in your wealth. Cease to trust in yourself. And trust me. The first lesson that we are to learn And it is the most difficult lesson to learn in the Christian life. Because we live in a world that from the word God, we have been trained to trust in self. True? Yes? Yes. If you want your life to go somewhere, if you want to catch a lot of fish, let God let, let down your nets surrender that in which you're trusting in the book of in the book of second Corinthians or Philippians the apostle says it in no uncertain terms Philippians chapter 3 the apostle says in verse 3 Philippians chapter 3 verse 3 the apostle says for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit rejoice in Christ Jesus and notice what he says now rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. How would I put that in modern English? Do not trust in yourself. Rejoice in Christ, trust in Christ, and put no trust in what you can do. Do not rely on your knowledge. You Do not rely on your skills. Do not rely on your power. The Lord may use them. But let your trust, your confidence, your assurance, your joy be found in Jesus. Amen? I guarantee you, friend, that life to all of us, life will bring situations where you will not be able to fix them with whatever you have. True? The uh, the experience of everyone come moments where we lift up our hands and say, what can I do? I have no power. And that's the deep. The Lord is taking you there so that you can learn to trust Him. What is the first lesson? Trust not in yourself. Trust in who? in Jesus. Let me ask you a question, in the morning when you go to work, who's in charge of your vessel? During the day when you face the challenges of your life, who's in charge of the vessel? The vessel is you. Who's giving the orders, who's telling you what to do, where to go, how to act, how to speak, how to treat your husband, how to treat your wife, how to treat your children? Who's in charge of the vessel? Let me guarantee you, dear friends, that at times, even the vessel may seem to be sinking and we are desperate to try the vessel to, you know, to float and we have forgotten Jesus. We have him sleeping there on the stern of the boat and suddenly we realize, well, I haven't prayed, I haven't gone to the Lord. And we pray, we surrender and the Lord takes the vessel afloat, yes or no? Why do we have to do it when we are desperate? When it is our joy to do it, when the waters come. Come to verse 8. You want to go fishing with Jesus. You want to go to the deep. The deep is no option. All of us face the deep in, in different depths every day. You know, when sometimes I go anxious, when I think of the salvation of my children and my stomach goes, and I start complaining, I'm facing the deep. When there is not enough money to pay rent, I'm facing the deep. When friends, when your bills come and you have to pay the mortgage and uh, and there's not enough, you're facing the deep. When you're challenged, when you have to make decisions, whatever you're facing in your daily life, that is the deep, and the Lord has brought you there so that he can teach you that first lesson to trust him amen just trust him just call on him just just sit back and see how the lord is going to fill that net with with wonderful fish okay let's go to verse verse 8 when Simon Peter saw what the lord had done what was his reaction what was his reaction He knelt before him and he grasped his knees and says, Lord, depart from me, for I am a a sinner. I am sinful. In other words, friends, Peter got a glimpse of who Jesus was, of his perfection, of his divinity, of his awesomeness, and he saw himself in contrast with Christ. Suddenly, the scales of his eyes were open and he realized, Wow! I am so sinful. I am a wicked man. And he pleaded for the Lord to depart from him. You know that that is the natural reaction when we encounter Christ. Do you remember the story of Isaiah? He sees Jesus sitting on the throne. Angels worship him. He sees Jehovah. Remember? And what was the reaction of Isaiah? Isaiah. He said, woe is me for I am dead. In other words, when we, the human, comes in in contact and gets a a, a bit of a ray of light from from the throne of God, immediately our sinfulness is exposed and we fall humiliated at the feet of God. And there's a story in the book of Daniel that, that impacts me. Daniel chapter 10. In the Bible, there's three characters that never a sin is mentioned of them. Joseph, Caleb, and Daniel. Daniel is the one that we have the most information. Daniel was... A man of integrity. He was a man that loved the Lord. Was a man that served the Lord in the most abhorrent situation. He had been castrated. He had become a eunuch. He could never have a family. He was he was considered an outcast in Israel because he was a eunuch. And yet this man remained faithful to the Lord from his youth all the way until his old age. Not one mistake of Daniel is recorded. What a man he was. He influenced not only Babylon, but he influenced the whole then known world. It was then that China became a Sabbath keeping nation in those days because of Daniel's influence. A man that was so so dedicated to the Lord that God could use him. Amen. The Lord called him a man who was beloved by God. Isn't that beautiful? And notice what happens to Daniel. Daniel chapter 10 verse 8. Says when he saw Jesus. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision. And in the New King James Version says. And no strength remained in me. For my vigor was turned to frailty in me. And I retained no strength. In the King James version, it has been softened. In the old King James version says this, it says, for my comeliness, my beauty was turned to corruption. Wow. This man who's loved by God, who has a perfect record, who is so loyal, he comes, before Jesus, and when he sees Christ, his beauty, his comelessness, that which he thought was good, is turned within him to to corruption. He sees himself as he truly is, a man, a sinner, a sinful man, wicked, lost if it was not for Christ. And he falls at the feet. Broken, He's trembling. He cannot speak. Friends, the, 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 the clearest sign that, w- that Jesus is not in the boat with us is when you and I think that we are good. Oh, I'm all right. The clearest sign that Christ is on the seashore. Is when we look at others and we think that we are better than them and we judge and we criticize them, we point the finger. We are holier than thou is the clearest sign that the heart has not been submitted to Christ. Because he who gains a glimpse of Calvary, he who sees the spotless Lamb of God dying on Calvary, that ray, that vision will immediately humble him. How can I, who are so proud, so self-exalted, a liar, a thief, an adulterer, how can I exalt myself and trust in myself when I have nothing to exalt and I have nothing to trust in me? Nothing, friends. And in that contrast, self is laid at the feet of Jesus. You see, Jesus wanted Peter to become his apostle, his follower, a man that would be sent by him. But before Peter could follow Christ, Peter had to surrender himself to Christ. The second lesson in the Christian life is that once you do not trust in self, now, you must trust in Christ. And in order to trust in Christ, self must be humbled, Self must be surrendered. Self must be given up. And in order for the Lord to do that, he has to shine his light into our soul and show us who we truly are. But he doesn't do it to destroy you. He does it to transform you into his likeness. Amen? So if you've come to this place burdened with a consciousness of your sins, if you've come to this place knowing your failures, if you come to this place hopeless, and with a deep sense and darkness of your reality, Jesus would look at you and say, Blessed are you. Blessed. If you are looking for help, if you are desperate for salvation, then you have come to the right place. You have come to Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus never humbles to leave you in the dust and to trample over you and to just leave you there as a worthless thing. No. Jesus said to Peter, as he said to Daniel, and as he said to to Isaiah, do you remember what he said? Fear not. Do not be afraid. Luke chapter 5, and there in verse 10 says, And so also were James and John and son of Zebedee who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. Amen. You may be conscious of your weaknesses, your wickedness, your sins, your failures. You may have come with a bag of broken records. You have never been able to accomplish anything good. As you look back in your history, there's just mess. And now you're at the feet of Jesus. Christ has revealed it all and He may be revealing it to you right now. He doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to whisper into your ear, do not be afraid. Why not? Because it is the necessary work. It is the necessary work so that Jesus can join you to himself. Amen? Jesus can join you to himself and he can live in you and through you and he can send you to the world to be fishers of man. And dear friends, let me say something. The world is dying for lack of fishes of men. There are thousands of souls perishing They are longing and looking to heaven, looking for an answer. Why did I lose my house in the fire? Why did I lose my children? That mother with, you know, four kids lost. Why? 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 The world is crying in agony to heaven. Why? Why? And there is no one to tell them the reasons why we are suffering, friends. They're pointing their finger. They're blaming God. They are accusing Him. Not the mother, by the way. She forgave. Did you notice that? What an example of Christian, Christian example of that woman. But dear friends, there are thousands today. 10,000 homes lost in the bushfires. 10,000 homes, 10,000 families that are crying. Why? Why? And what are we doing? There are no fishes of man. There are no Christians who are willing to go and put an arm around and say, I am here. I'll explain you why. I'll be with you. You'll see it in me. And Jesus, the reason why He wants to humble us, the reason why He wants to take you to the deep, is so that you will learn to trust Him. You will surrender yourself to Him. And He will join you to Himself and send you to live your life for Him and not for yourself. Let me ask you a question. Look at your back last week. How many hours did you spend living for yourself? And how many hours did you spend living for the Lord? To how many people did you talk to about Jesus? How many shoulders did you rub? And you brought hope. And you brought joy. And you brought comfort. How many, friends, have we lost our last week? And is it that we are so entangled with our nets so entangled with fishing for our own good to build houses and have cars and have a retirement and do all these things and have a holiday and do all these things, so busy fishing for ourselves that we've forgotten that there are souls that are lost that need fishers of man. But in order to be a fisher of man, there's three things you must have. experience. First, first you must let Jesus in your boat you must cease to trust in yourself and ma- must now surrender yourself to Christ completely, without any ifs or buts. He must be the captain of the ship. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. And third, third is said in the last statement of that verse 11 says, so when they had brought their boats to land, what does it say now? They forsook all, And followed him. Friends. Christ. Is worth all. Amen. You will will only experience the richness. The beauty of Christ. You can only experience the power of Jesus. In relationship to your surrender to him. Do you want the fullness of Jesus? Then You must give the fullness of who you are and what you have. And I wonder today if there's anyone here who says to Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you, Lord. I want you. I want you to come into my boat and teach me to surrender. Teach me to trust in you and not trust in self. And teach me to give up all for you. You know, the apostles did not learn that that lesson that day. Jesus taught it to them. And then come all the way to Calvary. And what is Peter saying? I will not leave you. Oh, everyone will forsake you, but not me. Peter had not learned the lesson. But in this experience, Peter gave the permission to Jesus so that he can teach him. Amen? And Jesus had to take him twice through the deep, three times through the deep, and eventually took him to the darkness of Calvary where everything was lost, where he had lost absolutely everything. All his dreams came crashing down and he came to the realization that he could do nothing. Only then Peter submitted himself completely to Christ. So, I wonder if there's anyone here who would like to say, yes, Lord Jesus, I want you. I will follow you. But I want you to teach me, to surrender, and to take everything from you and trust you. If that is your desire, would you stand where you are that we may pray together. And I wonder if there's anyone today here. I don't know. The Lord is impressing me. But if there's anyone here today who would like to accept Jesus as your Savior, is there anyone here who has never accepted Christ as your savior? Or you may have walked away from Christ and today you would like to come back to him and say, Lord, come into my boat. If that is your desire, would you come forward? I'd like to pray with you. Is there anyone here? The Lord is just putting in my mind that I need to make this appeal. There must be someone here. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe like Peter, you've come back and you... you you're tired, you've worked hard, you're exhausted and you're going nowhere. Your life is a misery and you're, you've tried and tried and tried and today you want to say to Jesus, Jesus, you, you be the one who, who saves me. You be the one who heals my family. You be the one who heals my job. You be the one, you take control. If you, that is your desire, would you come forward? I'd like to pray with you. I'd like to pray with you. Would you like to surrender, to give everything at the feet of Christ? Would you like to surrender your skills, your intelligence, your knowledge, your money and leave it at the feet of Christ and say, Lord, I, I surrender to yours. Is there anyone here who would like to say to Jesus, Jesus, I want you as my Savior.